All right, so you've been studying the Bible in terms of like going deeper, right? And I'm wondering like, are you scared to read it now? Because, <laughs> you know, Kotz is so like well-read and he's, he's revealed a lot of stuff to you. And I remember um, when I was in seminary and taking the Old Testament class, the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible, um, the professor would reveal these things that we were like, that's in there? And he'd say, yes, but it's still the word of God. And so we had to hold on to that. Okay, Lord, wow, you've got some hard stuff in your word, but it's still your word. It still has life. It still has truth for me. And so I'm going to hold on to that. So the reason, well, I shouldn't say the the reason, but one of the main reasons that we do study the Bible, though, is to know God, to know Jesus, to have a relationship with him, and for him to to have that relationship with us. So we shouldn't be afraid (laughs) to study the Bible, even if our study is incomplete at times, right? So when we study scripture, when we do it by reading slowly and deeply and, and maybe even memorizing God's word, this, this pondering, this, this you know, swim in the word, it's like bread that gives us life. It gives us the wisdom to sustain. It gives us that compass point. Right? It helps us to discern if something sounds right or wrong when we have God's truth inside of us. I find it helps me adjust my mindset when I'm spiraling, when I'm going negative, or even when I'm going overly positive. (laughs) You know, it helps me understand where God's mindset is on these things. And it fills me and us with love and his truth. So I'm going to share a passage from the Gospel of John, chapter 6, and it is kind of a a difficult, it can be a difficult passage, but we'll discuss a little bit about what it means, and again, I want your questions. Um, All right, so I'm going to start, because there's a lot going on in this, I feel like I can't just read this passage and for you to be like, oh yeah, because there's a lot that happens before this passage that informs what's going on, and and it's really what happens before that helps us understand in the meat of the passage. So chapter 6 is, early on in chapter 6, is going to start with the story of a famous Sunday school story. Okay, I'm going to ask you to deep remember Sunday school stories. Um, The story of the feeding of the 5,000. Give me a picture. I I was like, this is like my flannel graph. Did anybody grow up with flannel graphs? Yay! Um, Picture, uh, not accurate, probably artist's interpretation, right? But um, so there was a crowd of people that had followed Jesus to a mountainside because he had been healing the sick, and they were like, who's this guy? And they all come, and he's like, they're probably going to be hungry. We need to feed them. And his disciples go out and find one boy with five loaves and two fish. And they're like, well, Jesus, what are we going to do this? And he performs his miracle where he blesses it and gives it to the people. And they have 12 baskets full left over. 
So I think Jesus was able to feed them enough with five loaves and two fish, right? Um, And they were just really amazed by this, and they were starting to wonder, "Is is he the one? Is he the Messiah? And then it says that they tried to force him to be king, and he was like, I'm out of here. And so he goes off to be in solitude. Um, So then we have a second Sunday school story that you remember oftentimes, where he goes off to to solitude, his disciples decide it's ready to move on. They got into boats to cross the lake, and Jesus, when he was ready to join them, takes the shortcut and walks on the water, right? Um, Then, Following the next day, and we're, we're finally getting to where we're, we're going to get into our, our scripture eventually, <laughs> the people um, from the, who were being fed on the mountain, they start again looking for Jesus. They get into boats, they follow him across, and then they find him in the synagogue. Um, and that's where they have this interesting conversation about bread. Again, artist depiction. thought it was pretty good. We'll see. Um, <laughs> so, okay, more context. So here's, that's what's happened. But let me give you what might be going on in the minds of these people. They said they were like, they were going, bing, 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 Messiah. Well, why were they thinking that from this guy who gave them bread? So the time frame that this is happening, the story is happening during the Passover festival. And this is where um, the people are remembering their ancestors' time of slavery in Egypt and how God um, saved them from that. And one of the things, um, yeah, and one of the things that happened after that, the, the Israelites were wandering in the desert and they were hungry. And so the Lord rained down manna, which was like a bread type substance. He rained down manna from heaven. And Moses, who was the leader of the Israelites, gave this bread, this food from God. And so the Israelites, or in Judaism, the people were taught that there was kind of this heavenly storehouse that that um, held this manna, and this manna was opened up by God, and it came down, um, and that how, that's how Moses got this bread. And they were told that in the future, when the Messiah would come, he would also open up this same storehouse and fill them with bread from heaven. Let me get a drink. So they're seeing this kind of sign. They're seeing correlations between Moses and Jesus. And they're going... Interesting. And, and it's very key that it's the time of the Passover. So they in the synagogues have been reading this scripture in community at this time. So this is very fresh. This, this correlation is very easy for them as a community to make. So in our passage today, the people are going to come to him again asking for bread. And all they know is physical bread. And when we listen to Jesus' response, um, I want you to, to see if he's talking about the same thing or not. Um, so uh, let's read. 
So, John 6, 24 through 35. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, so this is when they, were, they get up the next day and they're like, where's the guy? Um, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? I just think that's kind of a funny question. Um, Jesus answered them, very truly, I tell you, you are, oh wait, you are looking for me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. It's like your stomachs are leading you here. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that the God of the, fa the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, what sign are you going to give us then so that we may see it and believe you? What work are you performing? As if the feeding of the 5,000 wasn't enough. Um, our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. So here's, they're like, we've been studying in the synagogue. We know this. Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So, um, you can keep going. The conversation continues. He keeps talking about things, and then I want to, um, oh, sorry. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. I wonder if this, does this remind you of something else? Here's a good study tip. Does, does this phrase remind you of another Bible story? You got Yes, the woman at the well. Yes, see, ooh, isn't that fun? Um, okay, so uh, go to the next slide. So then, um, then later on, a few verses later, Jesus um, continues this conversation and he's getting more and more clear about what he's talking about because all this time, these people are still thinking, sandwich. <laughs> and he's kind of like, okay, look, I'm not talking about a sandwich. He says, I am the bread of life. It's me. I am the bread. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Is there another one? Okay. Oh, sorry. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever, 
and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. It's a little graphic there. (laughs) And the people are really appalled because, you know, there's a lot of food rules in Judaism and, and eating blood is not one of them. And they're like, Jesus, you pushed it too far. So, if Jesus is the bread of life, are we supposed to eat him? I mean, if you take this, you're like, you're getting kind of close there. I mean, I think he, yeah, I think, I think there may even be another verse where it gets even more like, you've got to eat, eat me. But okay, so but let's think about bread. Bread is to be eaten, right? It is food. For a lot of, like, for a lot of our cultures, bread is kind of the staple, right? I was thinking about like in Japanese culture, rice, gohan, you know, it's, it's the meal. It's if you don't have rice, you can't eat, right? And then these cultures, if you don't have bread, you can't eat. You know, it's, it's, it's the missing piece and you have to have it. And food, it's designed to nourish us, right? Um, help us stay alive to give us life. So in Judaism, again, eating and drinking are also metaphors in their culture for ingesting and imbibing God's word, for the study of God's word. So again, Jesus is not really talking about literally eating his body. Um, It is also a bit of a, a kind of a foreshadowing to his sacrifice on the cross, but um, that's another layer that we could get into with this scripture, but um, I'm not going to muddy the waters with all of that right now. So um, he's using this as a metaphor, as a call to understand, to hear, and to learn from God. So to eat is to learn, to understand, to know, and to ingest God's word. It's to feast. It's not a fast food meal here. This is like, um, like have you ever, do you guys ever have, like, does anybody have a dog and they, when they gnaw on their bone? You know, I mean, they're happy for hours, right? They're like, mm. It's this, that's the kind of meal we're talking about. Or um, I know we're not really country folk, but you know, do you know how cows digest? They, they, uh, I remember, um, so anyways, they have two stomachs. I didn't have this planned. Um, they, they ruminate, they eat, and then they eat again of the same stuff. It's kind of gross, but they are really enjoying their food. Uh, they, they, they're lingering on it. And that's what we need to do when we read scripture. To linger with it. To struggle with it. To dialogue with it. Um, maybe get nerdy and read a commentary about it. Um, or, or bug cots for something that he has. Or Pastor Lori, you know? So... Um, I have a quote from Eugene Peterson. He has this book. So um, you've probably heard this guy's name before. If you haven't, he is the author who uh, wrote the paraphrase of The Message. And he wrote this other book called Eat This Book. And it's all about the importance of Christ followers to 
take seriously reading scripture um, and to and, you know, read the Lord's often. So he says, Christians feed on scripture. Holy scripture nurtures the holy community as food nurtures the, holy bo- the human body. Christians don't simply learn or study or use scripture, right? This, you're not cramming for a test, right? You're not looking to regurgitate it for, to show somebody that you know something, right? We assimilate it. We take it into our lives in such a way that it gets metabolized into acts of love, cups of cold water, missions into all the world, healing, evangelism, justice in Jesus' name, hands raised in adoration of the Father, feet washed in the company with the Son. That's what reading scripture is supposed to do for us. It's supposed to get inside. It becomes part of your body in a way that I don't even understand. You know, like, I mean, you know, think about just how how amazing it is how you digest food and how that food becomes part of you. That's how the scriptures are supposed to be part of us so that it, we breathe and move all because of what the Lord has given to us in terms of nourishment from his word. So when you meet Jesus in the pages of scripture, you're opening the door to a, a radical transformation, right? Like, like who does this kind of stuff? <laughs> Who does this kind of stuff naturally? This is, this is describing kind of an abundant love that just overflows, that just seeps out of you. But when we encounter the living Christ in the Bible, we abide with him. And that, that's, a, that's another word that's used later in this passage, to abide and your connection then to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit produces the fruit that I think we are all seeking for, right? We want our lives to mean something, right? We want our lives to be a blessing. And it's through the power of the Holy Spirit and God and living out of us, that's where we get it. That's how you become light. light to the world and how we give glory to God, our our creator. So one way that we do get to know God in this way is by studying scripture. And I know that scripture is complex and sometimes confusing and it's hard words and sometimes it's relatively simple. But I wonder, you know, I know myself, I have doubts like, oh, am I ever going to know enough? You know, um, maybe I'll just leave it for cots to deal with. Like, this is a hard passage, right? Um, But that's not what God wants for us. He doesn't want you just to, like, leave that treasure chest for the people who speak up here. 
it's meant for all of us. He doesn't want um, you just to wait for Sundays to get your bread. Right? So he really does want you to be nourished every day. So, um, yeah. And I would assume, I'm assuming that that's one of Katz's desires from this, this series is to encourage you to, to have some tools that you can then put into practice now. Um, your eyes have been opened a little bit to some of the more complexities. Maybe, you know, you won't just read things like, you know, eat my flesh and be like, ew, Christianity's about cannibals. I don't think I want to be a part of this, right? So, if anything, and I said this is a fairly simple word, um, if anything, I just want to challenge you to take some time and consider what your Bible practices have been like, you know, are, uh, and ask God if he's challenging you to change, you know, to think about, you know, am I, am I eating enough? Are my meals sustaining me? You know, I, I do worry a lot about my own nutrition and stuff, and I can tell, like, when I was like, oh, that wasn't enough protein today, that wasn't enough fiber, you know, or whatever, you know? We try to have a balanced meal, we take good care, we try to take good care of our bodies, right? But we need to also take care of our spiritual lives. So how can you go deeper? I can't answer that question, right? Do you want to go deeper? Maybe that's the first step. To pray, Lord, I, I don't want to. Sounds like a lot of work. Uh, so maybe the prayer is, Lord, help me hunger for you. Help me thirst for you a little more. And show me the next best step. We're not talking about sending y'all to seminary. Because that, that's it's over, maybe overkill, right? <laughs> right? But maybe there's one little thing that you can do. And again, you are the only ones who can decide that. So, all right. I'm going to pray. And then I'm really hoping that we can have a dialogue. Even if it's just one question, like, what's your shoe size? <laughs> Quick, someone type that. Just kidding. All right. Oh, Holy Father, Almighty God. Thank you for giving us your word. Lord, we're so fortunate that we can have it, that we can have it in the open. Lord, that we have so many resources. Just a two-day shipping away from Amazon. Lord, we are so rich, and yet sometimes we are so much in poverty in knowing your word. I pray that you would bless Westlight with the study of, and hunger and thirst for your word and your righteousness. And I pray, amen. Okay. Did anybody ask me a question? Oh, code. Code. Yes.
one came in. Yes. I mean, there's more than one, but um, the first one. I'm excited. Could you recommend a daily devotional that's online or in book form that's easy enough to feel uh, we can tackle on a daily basis? Mm. Okay. I Well, okay. A couple different ideas. Because, like, I know um, some things are not... Like Bible study, some things are more like devotions, kind of thing. Um, all right, two things pop into my head. Don't judge me. Um, <laughs> there's this great online uh, resource called Pray As You Go. It is Catholic, but it um, has an audio where. It, uh, and I'd say it's probably a little more like Alexio kind of thing, but it, um, it would give you some things to ponder. So it has a scripture of the day. They read that through, and then they, um, they have some questions for you to consider and ponder, and then they'll read the scripture again, and they end it with a prayer blessing. I'd say the whole thing is maybe 10 minutes or so. Um, I find that to be a really nice gentle way to start my day. I'm assuming you could, I think it's even got an app. You could probably listen to that in your car. Um, if you want to go a little like more, a little more commitment, um, I've been attending Bible study fellowship, which is like this big national, international ministry. And I have been, I was super impressed. Like the first year I did it was with the book of Romans. So they studied the one book for the whole like eight, nine months, which is kind of intense. But, and it is a commitment. So because you would have daily homework and you would go to a class and you would listen to someone teach on it. And then you would have small group time where um, you would talk about what you learned in that um, but I've been taking my boys to it too. They have a kids program. Um, and I've really enjoyed that. It's for me, that has been a really important piece of the discipline. Cause every week you gotta show up and every week someone's gonna ask you what you thought. And it's um, the way they, at the end, after you do all your personal study, then they give you kind of a commentary guide. So you get a little bit more of that background and stuff. Very approachable, something like that. Um, I don't know. Lori, does something come to your mind? Oh, no, but someone suggested there's a lot of Bible apps that sure. are available. Oh, yeah. Like the YouVersion Bible app has a lot of nice little Bible studies in there stuff, too. Okay. okay, is there perhaps a way, this is another question that came in, is there perhaps a way we can help each other eat? Oh, hmm. Well, I don't believe in shaming one another. <laughs> um, you know, first thing that comes to mind is when you have eaten and it just kind of, hey, I read this thing in the Bible today, it was really cool, and you're just sharing that. Because um, I've known people who I say, I say they drip scripture. Like I, I have, there's this friend of mine and, and it's like, she is always just naturally quoting scripture. It's just coming out of her heart. It's the lens that she constantly looks out of. And she has had 
a really rough life. Her background is, is amazing. Um, and maybe not in a good way, I should say, not amazing like that. But um, when I'm around her, I am, I admire that. And I'm like, man, that's what I want to be. I'm not. I will say I'm not to that level. But I love how she has really, you know, immersed herself daily in the scriptures. And it just, it just comes out. Now, if you have a friend and you're saying, hey, I want some accountability, then maybe you can be like, did you read something? <laughs> but shame is, not the, shame is not the way to go. <laughs> okay. Why does Jesus say that eating his flesh will help us live forever? Why is that the goal? That's a good question. Well, like, so, and I didn't quite focus on this, but basically he's saying that the, the real goal is belief in him. N not that you have to eat of his flesh. You know, sometimes the, the eating of flesh, the drinking of his blood, you know, kind of relates to communion, right? You've probably saw some of that imagery too. But it's not like taking communion doesn't bring you life, doesn't bring you eternal life. It doesn't save you, right? So that's probably an area where I should have been a bit more clear. Yeah. So if that's, so eating his flesh, reading his word, taking communion is not what's going to give you eternal life. It's just believing in him. Does that make sense? I think this next question is similar. Can you expand on the word abide? Um, oh. This person is studying John and was wondering on your thoughts, um, your thoughts on that word. Ah, I didn't go on a deep dive on that recently, I will say. But I, kept, I saw, um, I started to see connections in the whole Gospel of John when I was preparing for this in ways that I hadn't seen it before. See, that's the thing, that's the thing I think is cool about the Bible. It's, it's rich and complex, and you can't just read it once and feel like you've understood it all. Like, like I said, like this, even this story, there's a lot of different layers that I could have highlighted, and I highlighted this piece because of your current series. Um, but the abide piece, it really, it was um, in a few chapters later where Jesus says, I am the true vine, you know, and those who abide in me, um, I forget what, is it 10? I don't have my, I don't have my phone up here with my Bible happy. <laughs> but, um, okay, so if you're curious about, here's, here's a little Bible tool that's fun for those of you, if you're curious, like, what the, like, original, like, language means, there's this really great tool on the internet. It's free. It's called Blue Letter Bible. Okay, so not like not red letter Bible from the you know blue letter Bible, and you can type in the verse. So you could type in that um, where you're seeing the word abide, and it will go individually. It'll break down each word and tell you what Greek word it was, and then you click on that, and it goes and opens up this whole dictionary kind of thing, and it defines what those words could mean, and it also shows you like how many other times that word is used. I'd say it's fairly user friendly. 
you know, so. Thank you. Okay. Um, advice, this is, I didn't type this, but this could have been my question. <laughs> advice on how to start and continue reading the Bible. I've started to read Genesis many times, but always get stuck and stop. Yes. Habit formation, right? Um, not a biblical book, but a really good work book. Oh, did I turn myself off? Okay. Any book that's good about, a book that's good about developing new habits. There's this book called Atomic Habits, James Clear, if anybody's read that. Really cool book talking about different strategies. So I think um, whenever you're trying to start something new, I think you need to start with your why. Why are you doing this? Um, and if it's really that important to you, if you're like Genesis trying to get through it, um, you know, Old Testament books, if you haven't read through them, sometimes are a little, mm, <laughs> you know, uh, especially if you get into lists, right? Um, so I think like maybe you need an accountability partner. Maybe you need somebody to say, if you say, I am trying to read through a chapter of Genesis every day, and someone's like, all right, when you finish, you text me. Um, could be something like that, or um, getting into a Bible study. But I think maybe you need to ask, like, why are you trying to read Genesis, too? Like, what's, what's important about Genesis? Maybe start with the gospel. I don't know. Any other thoughts, Lori? Okay, one last question. Ooh. Thanks for everyone's questions. These I know. These are great. These are great. <laughs> what is the one takeaway from today's message you'd like us to take home today? Mm. I'd say that it really is how we really need to continue to hunger and thirst after the Lord and to really, um, to not be afraid of his word, to not be um, intimidated by uh, getting it all right. Because when we read those scriptures, we're not reading alone you know, I mean, like you can read with each other, but we're also reading with the Holy Spirit, right? We're not, we're not attacking this by, we're not alone. And so be that encouragement that you would take the chance and through that find life. Can I ask a question from the book? Yeah. Oh, we got a mic coming. They, they told me, uh, Pastor Stan asked me, because uh, I meditate every morning. And I was, and I was having trouble meditating and, um, you know, even concentrating. And ah. so uh, he said, try, he says, I, I'm sure you're meditating by shutting your eyes and and, uh, and praying like you were taught to. And I said, yes. And he says, open your eyes, open your mind. And he says, instead of, um, instead of you know, what, write down everything that comes to your mind in a 10-minute span. Mm. Just write it down. It doesn't matter what it is. Just, just write it down. And I've been doing that now for almost a year. And uh, every morning, and every it pops, it just things pop in your mind, and uh, 
you know, and like, and it's like a prayer, and like praying for people and for mm -hmm. their goodness and mercy. And uh, for example, uh, the Anaheim Church uh, situation and everything, and uh, and that's how I, uh, that's how I found out about uh, um, the pastor that uh, is a cousin to. Uh, um, I forget now, but but every everything I just write down for ten minutes, maybe longer, mm -hmm. and um, you know, and I I put a lot of effort into it, and but Pastor Stan says, you know, I says, but I says, you know, sometimes I'm I'm going to be late for work or something, and mm -hmm. he says, well, then you have to cut it off, you know, don't, you know, yeah. don't be late for work, <laughs> and. Yes. Uh, but it's it it really helped me to uh, be honest with myself to say that you know you're you're doing this better now by uh, by the fact that you're doing it with an open mind and 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 writing everything down that comes in your head and 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 it comes from your heart mm -hmm. and uh, so. I don't know if anybody else does that, but that's what that's what works for me. Thank you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. Well, hey, I'm thankful for your questions, and if you have anything else you want to say, we're going to hang out. I heard there's some lovely refreshments light lunch outside so please join us but um i want to leave you with a blessing so lord give us this day our daily bread teach us to hunger and thirst for you and may we learn to feast on your word daily to trust you to sustain us and to provide for our needs amen amen